Bullets in the Pod. I'm Musa Reams, and today we'll be talking with longtime YCA employee Scott Shinky. He slash him. Scott is a consultant who has been working with YCA's various technologies since 2005. He has a BA in communications from Elmhurst College, followed by graduate studies in education and rhetoric at Northern Illinois University. Scott is also a musician, vocalist, composer, and audio engineer who has worked cross boundaries of rock, folk, country, blues, jazz, experimental, and global music. As both a technical consultant and a creative person, he has a long-standing working relationship with and commitment to the local arts community as well as independent writers, artists, and musicians. Thanks, Scott, for being here today and taking time to speak with me. Thanks for having me. I, I um, have to admit uh, I'm a little bit um, sheepish about being on a podcast that's uh, called Poets in a Pod, uh, as I'm not really a poet. I've written some song lyrics here and there, but uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be here uh, in, in any event. Thanks for being here. What's one thing you want people to know about you? Um, you know, I think probably the most important thing for me is being a student. Um, I just, I love to learn. And the things that I focus on in my life most are um, technology and music. And both of those things are things that force me to learn. It's like I have the impetus to keep moving forward all the time, you know, like in technology, it's just moving forward anyway, and you have to stay with it, right? And in music, I like to learn songs. I like to learn, I like to learn new tunes. I like to learn you know, uh, new ways of like, um, you know, uh, playing solos and, and improvising and composing and things like that. And it's, it, music is vast and it's never ending. And you can just, you can delve so deep into it and there's so many different directions you can go. So I think that, you know, if there's one thing about my life that if I try to analyze it, you know, looking from the outside or something is that I, I try to be a student. I, try, I just try to keep learning all the time. I really love that. I think that's so important in terms of just anything. And what you said about technology growing is so true. Like it's one of those things that's constant movement and just it's the change of it that allows you just to have an understanding. And I feel like when you are a student of something, it makes you think about the foundation and the fundamentals of a lot of different things. And it just allows you to grow in different ways. So I'm definitely glad that you said that. Cause we always think about being a master of something, but you can't become the master without being a, like learning in general. And it's always so much more to learn. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know about mastery as a, a goal. Uh, I, maybe at one time I thought about that, but I think I kind of given that up and that I'm more just interested in continuing to pick up more knowledge and do the best I can with it. You know, I like the freedom of that too. That's so dope. Yeah. In your opinion, what's the best thing about Chicago? I, you know, I had a hard time with this question um, because, uh, um, you know, we get the questions ahead of time for the, for the listeners. Uh, and uh, I was going to try to not look at them and wing it. I'm glad I looked at this one because I'm, uh, you know, I was born in Chicago. I was actually born in Humboldt Park in um, uh, Norwegian American Hospital. So like right off of Humboldt Park. And uh, I've been I was raised in kind of blue collar suburbs. And, uh, um, you know, I lived out in DeKalb for a little while, but otherwise I've pretty much, I've been living in Chicago proper now for 30 years. And, um, you know, you, I think like a lot of like longtime Chicagoans, you get cynical about the city, <laughs> so it's hard to pick something good about it. Um, so I'm going to go with a simple one because it's, uh, I have my favorite food. 
I'll be so <laughs> My favorite food is pizza, and and uh, you know, um, our, there's this thing about Chicago style pizza that people talk about. And um, you know, prior to the 1980s, no one talked about Chicago style pizza. And what I thought was Chicago style pizza was real thin with crackery crusts, and it was cut in squares. To me, that's Chicago style pizza, and it always will be. And that's that's what I enjoy, and that's what I love about Chicago because you can't get that style anywhere else, really. True. I, I had a feeling you were going to say food because it's like Chicago food is definitely great. I also love pizza as well. Like pizza is just the go-to. It, you can't go wrong with like Chicago pizza. Just pizza in general. You can go almost anywhere in Chicago and get good pizza. And and uh, back in the like you know prior to you know maybe like the '90s or something like that, and other parts of the country, you couldn't necessarily get good pizza. And it really nothing like what Chicago pizza was like. So I did a lot of traveling when I was a kid with my family and um, we never found good pizza anywhere else. So yeah, it's always been something like, oh, it's good to be home. I'm going to get some pizza, you know? Yeah. I do like pizza in other places too, though, now that you said that. It's gotten better over the years. It, yeah, back, I never heard back when it was not. Yeah. Huh. It, it, it became a thing, you know, but uh, b- back in the day, pretty much New York and Chicago were the only places in America you could get reliably good pizza from almost anywhere, you know? I like that. I like Detroit pizza a lot, too. They cook pretty good pizza. Yes, that I like that style as well. How did you get started with the organization? That's an interesting question. I, I, uh, I, I you know, been doing consulting, um, computer consulting for a while, and uh, um, I was working for another client. Um, and they were having somebody build a front desk for them, uh, like a construction, you know, a wooden front desk. And, um, because they were moving computers around stuff, I had to interact with that person a little bit. I don't even remember his name, quite frankly, but he was connected to YCA. Uh, I don't remember exactly how even, but, uh, but the person that he was connected with at YCA was named Ava Olsgaard and she was the development director in, in 2005. And so she um, and the director, Sinead Yoon, just kind of contacted me out of the blue and said, hey, we're an arts organization. We've got a guy that does this for 10 hours a month and he's leaving to move to Hawaii. Would you like to come and do this for us? Hmm. And uh, I said, you know, well, let's take a look at it, you know, and and it was they were offering less money than I normally would have taken. Um, but I looked at it and went, well, you know, it's an arts organization and I love to support that. And it was close to my house. And you know, I could walk there on a nice day. So I said, okay, I'll go ahead and do this. And, you know, 17 years later, I'm still here. It was a September of, of 2005. So it was just, just more than 17 years now. And that moment did you know, it was going to be 17 years. Oh, no, no. I, I, you know, I had no idea whether or not I would stay there. And actually for the first year, I couldn't really figure out what was going on. Like I didn't know what YCA did and uh, they didn't talk to me very much. I'd go to the office to work and there wouldn't be anybody there or, you know, at the hours I would show up, I would see one person and they didn't want to talk. And I, I had to kind of create my own work for a little while. Uh, um, and I wasn't sure if they wanted to keep me around. It seemed sort of odd, but uh um yeah uh it kind of it took a couple of years for me to really kind of get into the flow of what they were doing and understand um the scope of the work um and uh i finally went to see a louder than a bomb after a couple of years and and took that in and it was amazing you know and um so i think you know i think i still have the t-shirt from that 2007 one <laughs> uh but um, yeah, that I, you know, I kind of backed into the job, honestly. <laughs> that is a very unique way to, to start something. This is a, a great story. I always love stories like that too, because that really be 
the part of the process and the journey of like you finding it and understanding your role within like different places in general? Yeah, origin stories are you know often yeah. not what you expect them to be. I never I never expected to work for a nonprofit that you know was an arts organization. I hadn't even considered it prior to them calling me, and I just you know I lucked into it, and uh, I'm really glad that I did. I it took a long time to really establish um, what it is that I do here, but uh, um, you know uh, it, it was kind of a perseverance thing. I I stuck with it because I liked it. You know, I liked the people. I kept meeting new and interesting folks, diverse. Uh, and uh, I was afforded opportunities to do some things like I, you know, in the late 2000s, I taught a couple of courses on, on Saturdays. Uh, we did a sci-fi class and some things like that. So, um, and that kind of led to me, I'm doing um, the sci-fi weekend wind downs on a kind of consistent basis. Now, every couple months or a few months, I do one of those. Um, so, it, you know, I feel like I've kind of um, blended into the the, you know, organization that over the years very slowly, but uh, sort of, you know, um, and solidly. Do you like in terms of sci-fi is it something that like super that got you into it? Because that's so interesting. I never like do that about YCA or that they even taught courses on sci-fi. Yeah, it's been something I've been trying to get involved with it for a while. Uh, um, I just am really a rabid fan. Of, I read sci-fi every day. Um, I'm always reading a sci-fi book. Uh, I like sci-fi movies, TV shows, that kind of thing. And so um, it just kind of, you know, that kind of art in general and being a technical person, I, I'm often dealing with things that are, you know, kind of thinking about the future anyway. Um, so it's kind of a natural, you know, place for me to, to think about creativity. Um, so yeah, it you know YCA has not done much in the way of sci-fi, but uh, you know, stay tuned. Who knows? <laughs> I'm glad you like mentioned too. Just those parallel, it'd be certain parallels within creativity where you can do something that's like completely different, but it takes the same type of energy to create. And it's just dope to have those type of like options and just things to be able to go to when you want to just make something. Yeah, YCA was a um, not originally a poetry organization. Um, and, and I folks don't necessarily know that uh, um, Bob Boone, who started the organization, uh, is, you know, was a, a writing teacher and they did do poetry, but he also wrote stories. And a lot of it was just about writing stories. He would give people kind of templates to work with. He had this thing called uh, Moe's Diner uh, that he would try to have people create stories within Moe's Diner. Um, and, you know, uh, it became a poetry organization uh, over the years and, and that became the focus of it. But, um, you know. Uh, in recent times, it's, we've kind of opened up a little bit more to some other things. And, um, you know, poetry is still the main focus. And I think that's where we mostly live. Uh, but it's good to have, uh, you know, options uh, for creativity, I think, you know. And I think you said a key word too, like stories. Everybody, no matter what art you make, is about your narrative, like your world, and expressing it. So, yeah, and that that word is the word that that Bob Boone used, and and I think in creating the organization too, it was about very much about stories. What about this position aligns with your personal goals? Um, you know, I think uh, as a musician, um, growing up. I, you know, I took some lessons and some things like that, um, but I didn't really have mentors per se. And I didn't have kind of, uh, you know, um, there wasn't like a, you know, a musician's community where we could get together and critique each other's work or things like that. You know, I, it was very much like, 
I lived in kind of a far-flung suburb. We had to get in a car and drive everywhere to see your friends if you had friends. Uh, I was kind of an introverted guy who didn't necessarily get along in groups well and stuff. And so I, I didn't really, you know, I was kind of rudderless as a musician. And um, that led to, uh, you know, many years of kind of, you know, not really finding my way. It took me until I was, you know, almost, well, actually when I was in my 30s to really, you know, settle down and focus on guitar once again as my primary thing, you know. So I think that, you know, we were talking about this in a meeting the other day, and it kind of came up to me that, you know, I, I miss that and that, that that sense of mentorship and community that that helps to people to understand what their purpose is and what their motivation is and, you know, that sort of thing. And so um, you talk about aligning with personal goals. I guess a lot of uh, what, what I, you know, those of us on staff are probably trying to do is to, to fill in things that we either had or didn't have in our, in our, you know, in our childhood or in our growing up yeah. where, you know, it was something that, you know, either affected us positively or the lack of it, you know, left some, some, pole you know um i feel like that's where it kind of aligns for me is that i i enjoy the idea of providing this for other people you know yeah service i definitely know what you mean do you think it was a a moment that made you start focusing because you said you started playing guitar like getting really focused on guitar at 30 was it like a moment a, a switch that made you start thinking in a different way um yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, playing in a band, and uh, <laughs> I was actually just texting with uh, my bandmate from that earlier. This is a couple decades ago now <laughs> that we were doing this, but uh, I was playing in a band, and um, we were n not having very much success, and uh, you know, it was difficult. We had a lot of trouble sort of working up our arrangements and things like that. And I finally just got frustrated and said, like, you know, what can I do? What what can I actually do? Like, what what part of this can I like? focus on for myself to to make myself better and uh and i started taking lessons uh um again i had taken lessons when i was younger but i went back and started taking lessons in my 30s um from uh a really brilliant jazz musician who was um not only a brilliant jazz musician he'd been to berkeley and uh in boston which is like the best jazz school but he also was um uh, a teacher uh, he had a, a degree in music pedagogy from northwestern and he went on to found the first ever jazz studies program in all of Asia in a, at a university in Thailand after that. Um, so he was a really brilliant guy. And I just was really fortunate to run across him. And I learned a couple of things really important from him. And one was that um, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> it took me like, you know, 10 years to absorb a lot of what he taught me in those like two years that I studied with him. Uh, and the other thing was he was younger than me. So I had to put aside some ego. I had to just walk in the door and be like, all right, I'm, you know, here I am, you know, and and uh, it was only a couple of years younger than me, but still, you know, uh, you tend to think of yourself as an elder or something like that. And then somebody is way better than you who's younger than you. And um, that forced me to kind of look at the humility of it and just to break down and like really try harder, you know, and and focus more on the playing. And um, and it helped me in, in a variety of ways. And and actually, I ended up expanding outside of guitar more than I had prior to that before I was playing guitar and bass mostly. And now, um, you know, we're on uh, audio only here, but you can see in my video behind me, I've got like, uh, there's a keyboard back here. There's a steel guitar. There's a mandolin. Uh, I've got a bass in the other part of the room. Um, you know, so I learning more about music helped me to get better at all the things that I wanted to do. 
Mm-hmm. And focusing that that moment of focusing, I think what you asked about was, you know, um, being frustrated in this group and not being able to make it better on my own. And so I just decided to make myself better. And uh, um, that really, I think, opened up that thing for me about continuing to learn, too, is that I hit a wall and I said, OK, the only way I can do this is if I just plow forward and keep learning, you know, keep moving forward. And it's so I feel like you. I, I've come to like that realization too. Like as I continue to get older, I always listen to people younger than me too, because it's you will learn. I think it's like something that come with being close to your inner child too, when you're working on arts. Yeah. And a lot of the time we talk to people that's younger. They just sometimes they just say what come first to their mind, and that's just like their inner child being pushed out. Especially when you talk about things that's passionate that they're passionate about, or just creating in general and something that really stood out to me what you said was about like being introverted and like one thing i've read recently i'm reading this book on like psychology just different things and it was talking about like being an introvert and like how sometimes you can be in groups and you feel like you get pulled in different directions and when you're trying to find out how to add to a space and how to play your role and that was very interesting to hear you like say that in a different way because you basically was like i had to take time just to focus on what i could do to become better and basically what you can control in order to, to grow. Yeah, yeah, that that helped me a lot in terms of just group dynamics because it was something I was really bad at and I'm still not really great at, but I think I've gotten better because YCA has kept me around so long. <laughs> so maybe I've gotten better at it. Um, and that was just to kind of like understand that that the best thing you can do is to, you know, focus inward and be your best and most honest and true self. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hopefully then that radiates outward. Yeah, that's all you can. And all this, all of us is unique, you know. So yeah. All, being authentic from that, you get so you get to ex- experience so much more. Like not only with yourself, but with others. I think. For those not familiar with consulting, what does your day to day look like, basically? Uh, you know, variety. Uh, if I if I would say any one thing about it, uh, it's a lot of variety, which is good for me because I'm not somebody who um is very good at sitting down and focusing on things. Um. Uh, for long periods of time, not, I'm not a, you know, um, I'm not a worker bee type. I'm somebody who has to kind of just, you know, go from thing to thing. And um, so, you know, I do, sometimes I'm responding to people. Sometimes I'm fixing things. Sometimes I'm cleaning up stuff uh, digitally. Sometimes I'm planning. Sometimes I'm um, configuring uh one of the things that I end up, I, I tend to think that I'm becoming a bit of um, the, you know, uh, the joke of, of uh, you know, of YCA and the, that I'm the guy who, the only one who spends the money. You know, <laughs> I'm the purchaser because the technology, we have to keep updating the technology. So other people are always coming to me and then I end up going like, okay, well, we have to spend more money. Can I spend this? <laughs> like if I had a uh, theme song for YCA, it might be Hey Big Spender. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's a great thing that we have that money to spend uh, uh, when we do, because it's a, um, you know, uh, um, it's been, it's grown a lot in recent years, let's say. Uh, when I first started at YCA, they had a bunch of hand-me-down um, Macs, and uh, most of them were half broken and stuff. And we just limped along for a really long time with that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, now we've got, uh, you know, gosh, we've got a, a digital audio workstation for recording audio. We've got um, big screen monitors and uh, one of them's like a touch screen that you can write on. And we've got sound system 
a couple different sound systems that we can use really something. Um, so yeah, th- th- it's, it's a lot of variety in what I do. And I'm, I'm really happy to have that in my life because, uh, I, I would not be able to do a job that makes me focus on one thing too much. Do you feel like it gives you direction too? Um, you know, it, it, it can, sometimes I feel directionless and it's difficult. Uh, sometimes I have to be really like, uh, deliberate about finding direction, um and sometimes i'm not that good at that quite honestly um but uh the other thing about it is that um sometimes i'm kind of like a fireman like people contact me with crises um and i don't know i i always seem to kind of do well in those situations uh-huh. i sort of like that um and so uh you know that's that's been a part of the job it can be a little frustrating if it happens too often but um but you know it's part of the job that i kind of grown used to and li- and i i kind of like that's so interesting too, because I feel like a, somebody asked me one time about consulting because I talked about like creative direction. That's why I asked that question. And it was basically, it made me think about the thing you just said too, because I feel like even with consulting and then also creative direction, it's a lot of problems. And like you get, but it's the, the action of solving and overcoming obstacles and challenges that make it really enjoyable because that's the ob- that's the objective at the end of the day when you working with consulting and just trying to find solutions in order for things to be marketed you know yeah yeah and technology is a lot of you know it presents a lot of problems to be solved and i'm kind of a puzzle solver like i, I do crosswords every day you know um like i i the uh, vox.com uh I, I do their crossword every every day that it's available and um you know i a number of them actually I, I have quite a few of them that i jump between but i i literally do them every day because i'm kind of a you know that's the way i think i have to how i wake up in the morning is by w- doing a puzzle you know so um fixing things and solving problems and um you know kind of designing a solution even uh where you have to kind of think through a you know, a bunch of different pathways and stuff. That's, that, that's sort of where, where my brain lives. That was designing the functionality of something. Exactly. Like is I definitely know what you mean. And I, I feel like curation goes in the same way. They kind of all bounce off each other, but they all have like, there's that nuance. Yeah, definitely. How is your work in technology and art help you understand community and build relationships? This is a really good question. Um, because, uh, I'm sort of unique, uh, in that, um, most people didn't really get into the whole zoom thing until the pandemic hit. Um, and, but it, you know, existed before that. Um, and before that there were other things that existed that were very similar. And so, um, back in the mid to late nineties, I worked at university of Illinois at Chicago and it was really the first sort of official tech job I had. And uh, I had a uh, connection to the internet in my office, which was like a brand new thing. And it was, it was high speed because we were on campus. We had a, you know, we had a plug-in, you know, um, we had an actual like, you know, uh, wired connection to the internet. And so at that time, the people who were most on the internet were at universities um, because the, the universities were the ones who had the internet connections, right? And so it was either students or students, uh, faculty and um, you know, grad students and things like that. And a lot of them were people who worked on computers. Um, and one of the things that they came up with down at University of Illinois at Champaign was called CUC Me. And it was a video program that had like chat room type things where you would go in. And it started out where the video was black and white only. It was kind of, you know, 
pixelated and barely moved and stuff. And then you just had uh, text chat in the rest of the room where you could chat with everybody. But it kept getting bigger and bigger and growing features and stuff until it came to the point where we were able to do full audio, color video, um, you know, private chat, one-on-one -on -one communications, all this stuff came about in the, in the late 90s. And um, I was really into this because, again, kind of an introvert. I don't really get along with people in groups all that well in person. And um, so being in this virtual format actually really worked well for me. And I was able to make lots of friends. And I had I had large groups of friends in, in the virtual world in the late 90s. And I had like four or five friends in real life. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, it was, it was a stark contrast for me, you know? So we actually had this large community. We would actually have parties where people from all over the world would fly in. We had a party one time in Cincinnati where there's over a hundred people there. Um, uh, I met people coming through Chicago. They'd stop at O'Hare and say, I got a layover, come visit, you know? And I'd meet people in person that I knew really well already. Uh, and that sense of community was really strong it was really powerful it was a lot more like deep than i would have ever expected it to be you know right. and um so i knew when zoom came about when the pandemic happened and stuff i knew that we could still stay connected this way because i'd experienced it before in ways that i think that you know people probably wouldn't have known existed if they weren't somebody that was in the position i was in um i even had people help me like uh with computer problems. I had at one time I was uh, trying to build a mail server on a, on an old computer and I wanted to use Linux, the operating system Linux, which was kind of new at the time. And I just got on CUC me and just said, Hey, does anybody know how to build a mail server on Linux? And some guy said, what's your phone number? And he called me right there and talked me through the whole thing. And it was, you know, for a business I was working for, <laughs> like he was, he was helping me fix a real serious problem, you know? So I, the community of technology is something that I've had like long experience with and um, have felt it very, very deeply and, and richly um, in music and in art. Um, you know, the, my art is music. Uh, I've had, like I said earlier, I had kind of a harder time with that. But later in my life, I got into recording and um, I was in grad school in DeKalb at NIU. And uh, there was a, a bunch of bands in the early 90s who were kind of playing out there around that time, you know, kind of one new one would come up every day, you know, and so I started seeing these people and saying, hey, I could probably put together something here, you know, and my brother, uh, also a musician, is a year older than me and uh, um, also a technical person, he's an electrical engineer, and he bought some recording gear, some tape machines and stuff like that, and um, we uh, set out to make a compilation when we recorded all these bands and put together the first compilation of music ever from DeKalb. Um, and you can still find this thing out there somewhere or other. It's called On a Clear Day You Can See Byron, a uh, uh, DeKalb compilation from 1991. And so I met all these people in these bands and we became you know, close friends and some of them I kept working with afterwards. And in fact, I even was in a band with some of these people and tomorrow I'm going to jam with one of those guys. Uh, so I still know some of those people to this day, 30 years later. Um, so the community of art is something that, you know, is really strong in my life. Um, and, you know, between technology and art, between those two things, I feel like that's been, um, you know, it's been very clear to me that that community is important in both. Yes. And it's so technology allows things to be efficient. And one of the biggest tools of technology, like you said, is just being able to just, the world seems so big, but it's so, 
close at the same time. It's amazing to me because when I was a kid, I could not have imagined some of this stuff, you know, um, talking to somebody across the country or whatever, you know, I, I, I sometimes have uh, Zoom meetings with my nieces where we just goof around, play games or just, you know, make jokes at each other and, and so forth. I've got three nieces that are uh, one's still in high school. One's, uh, I think, uh, 20. The other one's like 22 or three, I think. Um, and she's out of college now. So but um, so I, I, you know, I meet with them online on Zoom. And it's just it's so amazing that we can do that. It really, um, you know, they live elsewhere. They all live uh, elsewhere in the country. So it's, it's uh, helpful to me to be able to stay connected with them that way. We're going to take a break to talk about some of the ways you can connect with YCA. Everywhere it counts and check the method has been running every Saturday since September 17th and they'll continue to run for the rest of the year. These spaces are for all writers and music lovers ages 12 to 25 years of age. You can visit our Instagram, Young Chicago Authors, to sign up and learn more. Of course, Club Wordplay is still running every Tuesday. I've been hosting. Sometimes a Club Wordplay will definitely slide and come through. And the open mic is always open for anybody who wants to sign up. Next announcement is about plugging your poems and music. If you have a new project that dropped and you want to have it featured in our monthly newsletter, visit the submission link in our Instagram bio. You can plug local events, pop-ups, crowdsource, fundraisers, and, jo and jobs slash networking events and opportunities. Visit yca.to slash spotlight to see the latest spotlight. Special shout out to Fidel for his latest project, Find Yourself. We had a listening party for his EP at the beginning of October. It went so great. Great music. Great listening party. Great turnout. It was so dope. And that's all the announcements that we have. Back to Scott. What inspired you to pursue tech, audio engineering, and music? Well, uh, you know, we already kind of covered the part about what... Um inspired me to pursue the audio uh, technology thing. Um, I was already into technology. Uh, and so that was kind of a natural. Um, what inspired me to uh, pursue technology in general? Um, my my father, uh, who is 85 and retired now, um, it, he was a you know very curious minded person. I think that's probably where I get that thing about continuing to learn from because he's like a real voracious reader. And he was an electrician. Um, but <laughs> Beyond being an electrician, he decided at some point that he had to know more about like, you know, the, you know, the emerging technologies. And uh, in the late 70s, he bought a, a, a little kit computer that he built. Um, and we were like the first people I knew other than like this rich kid across town who had a, one of the first generation apples. We were the only people I knew who had a computer. And so, um, you know, he introduced me to this early on. And I didn't really like programming them at all. I wasn't really into that. And in the early days, all you could really do was program them. But um, I had this goal at some point that I I, um, I I wasn't very good at video games. And back in the day, we'd go to the arcade and you'd have to pump quarters into them. And so I wanted to make a computer play a video game so I didn't have to pump quarters into it. <laughs> so I picked Pac-Man, which wasn't even a game I liked that much, but I picked Pac-Man and I tried to keep like for whatever computer we had, I tried to get a, the best version of Pac-Man that I could to work on that computer. And in the process, what I was doing was learning how to do computer administration. I didn't even realize that I was trying to like make something work, you know, it was always trying to like, you didn't, you couldn't just, you know, it wasn't like now where you just get an app and it, and it works. You had to go like, okay, I'm, 
got this thing on a cassette and I put this cassette in and I press play and I wait five minutes. And then afterwards, I've got to run these commands. <laughs> you know, it was all this stuff. Right. And so everything you did needed to be like gone over a bunch of times and, and it would usually not work for a while. Um, uh, by the time we got, I think our third computer, which was a Commodore 128, I got a really good version of Pac-Man working and I felt like I'd conquered something. Uh, and that was kind of how I got in, into working on technology with, and, and the funny thing about it was once I got it working, I didn't care anymore. And I barely played the game. <laughs> I've never been a gamer, didn't care somehow or other that experience just was something that I had to do and, and it worked out. So I, I feel like I go through phases with game being like a gamer. I like growing up, I was like super game head. Then sometimes I'm not playing video games at all. And then the pandemic really, when the pandemic first started, that's all I did was play video games. Like, I think a lot of people were in that boat, you know, I think <laughs> yeah, it was something that, I mean, you, cause now there's community in video games, you know, and you can create you know, and build so much from a video game. So many opportunities, whether you're working within it or also in experiencing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When the, the kind of virtual worlds they build and all that stuff is none of that was, you know, when, when I first started playing quote unquote video games, some of them were like text things where they would say, you're in a room, there are these objects on the floor and you would have to say, pick up this object. You know, <laughs> there was no graphics or anything, you know. That's so wild to think about. And it's, I think it's interesting too, like, do you feel like you gain more, like, more inspiration from looking from people around you? Because you say you got into technology from looking at like your pops and just seeing certain things that like he was doing. Do you think that was, has been like a continuous theme theme for you? Yeah. I mean, my family in general was kind of really into technology. I had my grandfather on my mom's side was an electrician. His brother was an electrician. Uh, his son was an electrician. My dad is an electrician. My brother's an electrical engineer. Um, you know, we just, we were always, like fixing things and stuff, you know? So the influence of other people, I, I didn't, I don't think of myself as being technologically minded, particularly. I don't really see myself that way. And I never really have, and I didn't intend to have a, a, a career in computers. I just ended up because I knew about them. Um, I ended up that people would ask me questions uh, I was doing temp jobs and stuff and people realized that I knew about computers. So they would come and ask me questions. And I was like, gosh, I'm kind of good at this, aren't I? <laughs> and that's how I got started as a consultant. I didn't realize that it was something that I wanted to do. I, that's, I feel like it's so many things in life where you just go through that process and you just like, I don't know I want to do this. And it, it'd be like one event that just steers you in that direction and then you have a better understanding once you see it on the other side. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. Singular events uh, often affect us a lot more than we know. And then, you know, uh, recognizing those events and, and you know, being sort of thankful for them afterwards is a, yeah. is a you know, it's kind of a skill, you know? Yes. And it's, it was it, it was so cool to me, too, because you talked about, like, engineering and electric, that all, the art and, art and sciences just go together. They balance each other out. And when you have an understanding of both, you can create a lot of different landscapes. Yeah, that's that's been my goal. I think is is trying to have a you know kind of a foot in both uh, you know worlds a bit and uh, and and see what I can pull out of both. Um, I sometimes get a little bit too immersed in either, uh, and uh, it it can be uh, you know uh, tricky to to try to blend them. But uh, yeah, I 
in my mind, uh, uh, you know, influence, outside influence in both of those things had a lot to do with it. Um, I wish that I'd had more influence on the music side. Uh, I had more mentorship on the technical side, I think. More more mentorship and more sort of encouragement, um, you know, just because there were people around who knew that stuff. Uh, right. We did have musicians in my family, but they were not like sort of active musicians as much. They had played in the past or whatever, and um, they weren't sort of serious about it. And uh, so um, the the sort of kind of serious element, I did play um, sort of semi-professional for a while. Um, and, you know, that that part of it, I kind of wish that I'd had more mentorship for. Do you see yourself as a mentor or? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hope I am to somebody. Uh, <laughs> uh uh, you know, th that's the sort of thing that I think that you, um, I don't try to do that. I don't try to mentor anybody, but if, um, you know, if, if I'm doing what I do well, hopefully it rubs off. You are one of the longest standing staff members at YCA and you're on a leadership team. What have you learned since the beginning of your time here? And how has your experiences impacted your leadership style? Um, I think the thing that i've learned um when i started at yca i didn't have any contact with our participants i just would show up once a week at, during the day and you know for a couple hours and do some work and that was that um i think what i've learned over time is um honoring our participants um you know i become much closer to the work over the years uh, i become closer to the people and i've developed a sense of um, respect. Uh, I think it's based on what I would have wanted if I were in their position, uh, or if I'm looking back to my own, you know, uh, formative years, what I might have hoped for. Um, and I think that's really true of everybody that works, that comes to work for YCA. I think we all kind of have that commitment. We're focused very much on our participants. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that kind of is a common thread among us. Uh, in terms of leadership, I think, uh, that making that assumption of our coworkers, of our colleagues, is a really important thing. And so um, I've, you know, done my best to always assume that everybody's working from that same place of positive intent and uh, that their heart is in the, the same place as mine, uh, which is, I, you know, I hope is always toward uh, honoring and respecting our participants as best that we can. I think that's so important in terms of just having a leadership style too, because you you can empower people when you honor them, so. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's our goal. I think that's everyone's goal that works for YCA is, is to, you know, to show respect and empower. What have been some of your biggest lessons while working at YCA and with diverse communities? Do any of them impact your creative work? Yeah, uh, that that's another tough question. I, I like it, uh, it really made me think. Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned is um, listening. Uh, you know, I, um, I'm a really verbose person and uh, I often dominate conversations when I talk, despite that I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. I, I have a lot in my head. Uh, <laughs> and um, so uh, listening has always been a challenge for me. Um, and um, I, I've learned to work on that via YCA uh, because um, 
because what the young people are are when what our participants in general are saying is worth listening to. Um, I've been really lucky the past couple of years through um, you know through this pandemic uh, where we've been doing our um, you know rooted and radical virtually. Um, I've had the opportunity to have basically every single poem in the festival across my computer, and and I I get to watch every single one of them, and. Um, I got to say, that's just an amazing experience. And I was not expecting it. Uh, you know, um, I've been running tech for Rude and Radical Bouts at times where I've just been like laughing uproariously. Uh, I've had other times when I've been openly weeping and probably more of the latter than the former, honestly. Um, you know, it's very, very affecting. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, but But listening, really like digging in and listening to what they're saying has been super enlightening and uh it's made me think more about in my art being true to myself uh, what you were saying earlier about how like younger people have uh less of a filter and stuff and uh that's a great thing in certain ways i can get you in trouble in a lot of ways too but yeah. it's a great thing when you're thinking about a pure creativity you know right. and so um uh, I think what I've learned through listening to our participants has been to um, be willing to be, uh, you know, your true self in front of other people. Uh, that that listening to them has helped me to kind of, you know, uh, formulate that better for myself. It's it's so it's so much great things that so many great things that come from observing too, because it's just a, a place of pause and you get to see things without judgment and just take things for what they are. It, you made me think of something too when you talked about like having less of a filter and how, how that can sometimes get you in trouble because i think about this story about einstein and how he used his inner child they said he used to take tests but he had failed like parts of the test because he would only study the parts that he enjoyed that was his passion <laughs> so it, it's it's so funny like when you have like a certain perspective and that can go for anything but i know exactly what you mean einstein is a, a great example for us all <laughs> Where do you see YCA progressing and where do you see yourself in that? Uh, where I see it progressing, um, you know, we've been kind of in rebuilding mode for a couple of years now. Um, we had, um, you know, we had a serious kind of management shakeup and uh, we've had some turnover, some staff turnover since then and some things like that. Um, so we're in the process of kind of team building right now and strategic planning and that sort of thing. Uh, so, um, talking about where, where YCA is progressing, I don't want to give away things that, <laughs> that were, um, you know, just are in the, in the uh, early stages. I'm not sure I know anything that would be uh, worth giving away at this point anyway, but, um, what I would, um, I think what I would hope for my personal part of it is that, um, like I said earlier, we've been growing our technology quite a bit, and that's been kind of supporting some of the work we're doing um in the uh, uh commercially you, you talked about uh every word counts and you mentioned fidel um uh every word counts is our, our program that uses our digital audio workstation which is again fairly new and um they're going to be working on uh, a project coming up uh, which i won't give away i'm not sure it's public yet but they're going to be working on a project coming up and uh, i'm looking forward to that uh last uh rooted and radical that we did fidel was part of the people uh the, the a small group of people from every word counts who created the theme songs, the opening and closing themes that we uh, did for Rude and Erratic, which is the first time we've ever had those. Uh, and so that was a really great like moment for us all in general, is not only that we had theme music, but it was created by our participants. Uh, and Fidel uh, was uh, one of the key people he rapped on, uh, the, I think it was the opening theme. 
Um, and so anyway, uh, where I see myself is hopefully just um, helping to lay that foundation, continuing to lay that foundation so that, um, you know, that technology is kind of an integral part of the, um, uh, you know, YCA as it, as it updates. Definitely dope. And it's, it's cool to see you work with staff. Shout out to Rich as well for basically facilitating everywhere it counts. Great workshop. And just to see the camaraderie and teamwork between is, is very it's very cool to see. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's something, uh, you know, Rich is relatively new. And, um, you know, when he came in, I'd had some of these ideas going in my head for a long time, and it had just never been sort of implemented the way I'd hoped. And he came in with these ideas, and I started talking to him right away, and we just kind of hit it off. Um, and we've, I think he's really done a great job at developing the community of the program um, and trying to, you know, um, foster that, making it feel like a, you know, a, a musician's community, which is that thing that, again, that I was trying to fill in from my past. Um, so I've been really, um, I'm mostly an observer uh, in, in uh, every word counts. I'll show up and, you know, uh, help them run tech and, and uh, I'll chime in here and there. But um, uh, I don't want to take any credit for anything he's doing because he's, he's fantastic at what he does. And, uh, you know, the uh, outcome is that we've got people who are engaged, and we're working on a project and I'm really looking forward to that. We've also got um, both uh, video and DJing uh, things coming up. I won't, again, I won't go too much into that, but there's some things coming up that uh, um, we'll be using more technology. So I'm, I'm really happy that we're, um, you know, uh, honoring that, moving in that direction a little bit while still holding to, uh, you know, our, our uh, poetry foundation. It is very exciting just to experience during this time the expansion of YCA and just seeing so many different creatives and artists come through the space. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's the, you know that's the fun part about it is uh, the diversity of the artists and the art that they create. Uh, you know, in, in every word counts, we've had just you know um, a really fantastic group of people, and it's been ever changing in some ways, and then there's been some kind of holdovers and. Um, so again, really just looking forward to seeing how that, uh, evolves. What are some things you want to see happen within YCA and the Chicago arts community as a whole? You know, I think, uh, the pandemic, um, has interrupted, you say you mentioned the word community right in the, in the question there. Um, I think the pandemic has interrupted that community to a certain extent and folks have done a really good job of getting, you know, keeping it together. Um, but there's a, um, it's difficult when you're when you're working with younger people because um, the community keeps changing uh, as they you know grow into it and grow out of it you know um, and some of the younger folks uh, who who you know were not at coming to YCA prior to the pandemic didn't know what that was like um, they didn't feel they had never felt that community that we had built before yeah. so it's um, kind of reestablishing that community I think is really important for both for YCA and for arts in Chicago in general. Um, to me, uh, um, you know, uh, being an introvert, I'm not as focused on that personally. Um, but I even feel it, you know, like I said, I'm going to jam with some, some friends tomorrow for the first time in, in quite a while. Um, you know, I have my moments when I got to get out of the house here too. So, um, I think, uh, that, you know, that rebuilding of community is probably the most important thing that we can do right now. Right. What do you want your legacy at YCA to be? Uh, I don't care. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm not being facetious. Uh, um, I, I, I get it. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I guess uh, what I would say about that is uh, uh, legacy is not important to me. Um, I think, you know, people get to be around my age and they start thinking about that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, some time back, um, maybe I don't remember how many years ago it was, but I was uh, working somewhere and a coworker of mine, a uh, very, very smart person, a young person who uh, um, said to me at some point, oh, you should, you sound like a stoic, you should get into stoic philosophy. And so I started reading about stoicism a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is actually, <laughs> this is right about kind of right up my alley. Um, and what stoicism really speaks to is affecting the outside world via how you control what's within you or like kind of like what is within your grasp what you can do you know um and you know to me that that's most important you know i think i i kind of feel like we all have sort of limited resources with which to make stuff happen in the world mm -hmm. and if we spend some of those resources like worrying about or, you know, trying to affect something that's kind of pretty much out of our control. That uh -huh. seems like kind of a waste, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess as I've gotten older, what I've tried to do is just kind of like go, well, what can I do? What can I actually control myself? And legacy, I don't think you have any control over that. I think that's for other people to to write, you know? Like I think, uh, you know, uh, you spend too much time worrying about that and you're not actually doing the stuff, right? So in my mind, if I'm doing my best, um, you know, d being my um, true self and working hard and, and doing the things that I think are right, um, hopefully that helps somebody down the line. And um, if they appreciate me for that, that's great, you know. And I'm really into stoicism too. And I, I really feel like it teaches you that you, everybody has their own path yeah anyway. yeah and it's, it's a it's a personal journey kind of thing and it tells you to, to look at your what you can do focus on what you can do and don't worry so much about the outside stuff and what other people think of you and that kind of thing we were talking about um psychology earlier there's a kind of thing about like self-esteem self-image self-concept i always forget which one it is but one of them is how other people how you think other people think about you mm -hmm. I stopped worrying about that thing at some point. I just went like, ah, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> and it, it goes with validation too. And then also I read what prestige, the definition of prestige, and it has like two definitions. It was like the honor that you have, the rank, the achievements, and then it's also an illusion. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, there was a movie, the prestige, uh, Christopher Nolan movie, that's it's all about magic and illusions. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's he, he's referring to that definition of the word. You should check it out if you get a chance. I would. Thanks for your time today, too. This is, I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, me too. I, you know, uh, I've never been interviewed before. Uh, I've never been asked to be interviewed before, and uh, I certainly like talking a lot. Um, like I said, I think I was doing my best to to not go uh, too overboard. Uh, I wanted to finish by six because that Bulls game is coming on, and here it is, six o'clock. So, <laughs> go Bulls. <laughs> go Bulls. <laughs> Thanks for communicating. Thanks for the interview. And a shout out to all our followers that, that tune into this. Shout out to Kayla too, because you keep it a G. You be, be lugging it out, helping us out. <laughs>